Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. It's Thursday. It's April 20th. Bob Kemp feeling a little under the weather. Kayla Mortolaro with you here up until noon today. We'll make room for John Cannon. Some of you probably remember his voice as a former Valley talk show host. We'll talk... Golden State Warriors with John around 11.15 today. We'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline to do that. But as we typically do, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. There's a game three tonight in L.A. It's the Suns. It's the Clippers. So what happens Thursday night in L.A.? Suns minus two and a half or Clippers plus two and a half. Suns out in front, 71% of the vote. Clippers sitting at 29% will answer this question around 11.30 today. It gets underway, 7.30 p.m. tonight, uh, NBA TV and Bally Sports, Arizona. Flipping this on over to Twitter, I had this question ready to go this morning, and then a couple of hours later, Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic reported that Madison Bumgarner has been DFA'd Uh, As that stands, the Diamondbacks would owe Madison Bumgarner a little bit more than $34 million. If he does clear waivers, he can sign with any team for, I think, $720,000. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. But here's the question. Is it time to remove Madison Bumgarner from the starting rotation? I think there's still ways to answer this and kind of Give the perspective on how surprising was this. We'll do that around 1130. That's on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. There's more NBA playoffs tonight. Things get started 430 p.m. with the 76ers and the Nets. 76ers minus four and a half. Nets plus four and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 76ers lead this series 2-0. And in fact, they're 6-0 against the Nets so far this season. The 76ers, they shot lights out from behind the arc in game one. In general, shot lights out. Game two, not quite as good. Maybe had to have a little pep talk from Doc Rivers at one point as well. 45% from the floor, 31.4% from three. But once again, The main factor here is that the 76ers have such a size advantage over the Nets. And it's showing up to the tune that the Nets are minus 17 on the glass. I mean, you can't talk enough about what Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson have been doing for the Nets so far in the playoffs. Mikael has been doing for the Nets since he was traded. So it's not them. They just need more around them, and it's just not there. Mikael, 25.5 points per game. Cam, 23.5 points per game then it falls off to Spencer Dinwiddie 13 points per game Spencer Dinwiddie of course coming over in that trade with Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks I do find it a bit interesting that this line is minus four and a half 
I guess that's giving like a major home court movement, line movement for the Nets. Because when it was in Philly, it was like seven and a half or eight and a half. And size hasn't changed. Team makeup hasn't changed. If the 76ers show up, they should be able to get this victory. Because even when in game two, this, the, the Nets were able to keep it close, they were shooting the ball really well. The 76ers weren't quite playing up to their standards. So it's a really nice story here for the Nets. I think kind of surprising a lot of people. And they got a lot of decisions to make as well in the offseason. What are they going to do with Cam Johnson's contract? Mikael Bridges, et cetera, probably excited about this opportunity. But I don't think they get things done against the Nets. The Kings and the Warriors, 7 p.m. tonight. Kings plus six, Warriors minus six. First of all, Mike Brown. He becomes the first ever unanimous selection for NBA Coach of the Year. This is actually his second NBA Coach of the Year award. He won one back in 2008-2009 uh, with the Cavaliers. But this is the first time ever that it's been unanimous for Mike Brown. I was happy to see that because there had suddenly been some talk of some other candidates, etc. What Mike Brown has done has just been tremendous. For the Warriors, though, no Draymond Green tonight. He's serving a one-game suspension for stomping on DeMontis Sabonis. Last I saw, Sabonis is listed as questionable with the sternum injury. He also hasn't really found his stride yet so far in games one and two. We're so, we're so used to him being, you know, he's obviously a double-double machine. He makes quite a lot of impact on, on the floor, on the offensive side of the ball. We haven't kind of seen that, but the Kings haven't needed it because De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, they've been unreal so far. De'Aaron Fox, 31 points per game. Malik Monk, 25 points per game in the first two games of this series. The Warriors do find themselves down 0-2, and they are back in their building. So a question that I'll pose to John Cannon on the other side of the break is we've talked a lot about the Warriors' struggles on the road. So is this just the Warriors on the road issues? So they get back at home, problem solved, everyone feel great? How much does the Draymond Green suspension impact things? I think it impacts things a lot. I know Draymond Green hasn't been this offensive prowess player for quite some time. But what he does facilitating the ball, what he does on the defensive end of the ball, it's unmatched. They don't have anyone else that's able to do that. Uh, when you look at some statistics here, when Curry and Green are on the court together this season, they come out outscoring opponents by a point every 5.5 minutes. With Curry but no Green, it's essentially a wash. Without both on the court, it falls off of a cliff and the defense ends up with a 121.3 defensive rating. So Draymond Green, really important. Also, the Warriors are just going to have to clean things up. 20 turnovers in game two. The Kings made them pay for it. The Kings run. The Kings are athletic. The Kings are young. Playing kind of to the Warriors game. They're just six, seven, eight years younger. 
It's been interesting. The chess match, Mike Brown, does he know kind of what Steve Kerr's moves would be? And then he just has the youthful talent to be able to match up with it? Questions I'll pose to John Cannon on the other side as well. It is hard to count out the Warriors until it really finally does end. That leads us into the 7.30 p.m. contest. Valley Sports Arizona, NBA TV, Suns Clippers. Series is all tied up, one apiece. It's hard to deny that Kawhi Leonard has just looked spectacular for the Clippers. Both ends of the floor. Like, it kind of makes you feel as though we've been robbed of Kawhi Leonard basketball grace for years because of the injuries that he has suffered. Obviously coming back from the ACLs. We saw what he did with the Spurs. Then how he was able to bounce the ball in there. Great rim leading the Toronto Raptors to a championship. But he's always been a defensive player. Then all of a sudden you saw this offensive game. You're like, wow, he's just an all-around basketball player. And we're seeing it again. But he's logging a lot of minutes here for the Clippers. So can he keep doing it? Obviously, load management was a major thing for the Clippers this season. Probably in anticipation of this. So endurance, just overall health to be able to keep doing it night in and night out for for 40-plus minutes a night. That is one question I have. Can he keep logging the minutes and continue to be as successful as we've seen him? For the Clippers as well, Eric Gordon has been a three-making machine. So does that continue at home? It's always fascinating to me to see you know, the players, uh, the, the starting starters or you know, the sixth guy off of the bench and just whether or not they show up shooting on the road or at home and which one is easier for them to, to, to do, to handle. It's kind of an interesting little mindset, I guess, to try to figure out. Russell Westbrook, he continues to bring the energy, the questions for him. What are you getting from him shooting every night? Three for 19, game one, 28 points in game two. So what happens here in game three? He's such a he's such an X factor. But I guess the thing is, is you know he's always going to bring energy. He's always going to be a pest. He seems like he's brought it up a notch. The Suns' official designation for campaign is questionable. I'm just going to pose this question. I feel like we all know the answer, but I'm going to pose it. Does that fix the rotation issues if he plays? I'm not so sure because he is a liability on defense. And if he's not scoring, he's not productive. The bench is still an issue here for the Suns. Someone has to step up. Give at least a solid five, seven, ten minutes of production with points, energy, hustle. Because it's completely unsustainable to think that Booker can play 45 minutes a night without fatigue. Like, okay, you you can maybe get through one series, but if you have goals and aspirations beyond this, this is not sustainable. Also, Booker, he has to refrain from the silly fouls. He's too important and needs to be on the floor scoring buckets. That foul two minutes into the game against Zubots in game two. Stay away from those. Let the guy score. It's also Zubots, so it's not an automatic score either. Let him score. 
You're too valuable offensively to be sitting on the bench in foul trouble. You also can't get behind by a large margin to start this game. So you have to match the intensity. You have to match the energy from the start. Can't be clawing your way back in this one. Should be a fun one. We'll dive into it as well as part of the poll questions, kdos1060.com. See who we think is going to win tonight's contest, 7.30 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona and NBA TV. The other game, Kings and Warriors, 7 p.m. that has not disappointed so far. Kings are up 2-0. We'll get the Warriors' perspective of things with John Cannon, former Valley talk show host on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Right now in the month of April, Superbook Sports putting up a $100 gift certificate to anywhere. All you have to do, download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the instructions to become eligible for your chance at the $100 gift certificate. If you haven't done it already, I suggest doing it now before John Cannon joins us on the other side of the break. We'll be back with him next. Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. As promised, popping on out to the KDOS hotline, John Cannon, former Valley talk show host, talking all things Warriors with us. Excited for your takes today, John. Appreciate the time. How are you? Kayla, great to talk to you. Absolutely. Looking forward to it here. Well, we have to get this out of the way here. The Warriors, they're down 0-2, heading home to host the Kings tonight, but they'll be doing so without Draymond Green. So let's get to it here. Green is important to this Warriors team. He's so cerebral on the court. Even if he's not scoring, he disrupts plays on defense, gets the Warriors into good, easy buckets with his passing. The league set... The league suspended him in part saying that it was due to his prior actions. So your take, should the league have suspended Green and admitted that this is the reason? Uh, no, I don't think they should have. And, and here's, here's why. The league has mechanisms in place to punish repeat offenders, right? They have the rule where if you compile 16 technical fouls over the course of the season, you are suspended. And for every two after that, you get suspended again. They have a rule about flagrant fouls and how many points you get during the playoffs for flagrant fouls, and that can lead to a suspension. Draymond Green was punished for what he did against Sabonis, and we could talk about what he did against Sabonis also because they pretty much admitted that it wasn't the act that, as you said, it was his actions, it was his, his lifetime achievement, and it was his... And his actions, I think, running around the court um, demonstrably, uh, kind of Adam Silver, I think, felt like he was being showed up a little bit with that. And we'll talk about that later. But that, So it wasn't the act. If Sabonis had done the exact same thing to Draymond Green, he would not have been suspended. He might have been ejected, but he wouldn't have been suspended. So here was the punishment for Draymond Green. He was ejected from a game his team desperately needed. He missed the last seven and a half minutes of that game. It was a close game. They could have won, 
and they didn't because he was not there, at least in part because he was not there. Plus, he got two flagrant points toward a suspension. If he gets two more, then he gets suspended for a playoff game. That's what you're supposed to get. And for them then, that next day, the night of the next day, say, oh, yeah, you know what, we're going to kick you out another game too. Really seems like very personal, um, very, very much, Kayla, like the NBA is kind of done with this warrior thing, I think. You look at the new CBA, which everyone says the Warriors will be the most affected by the new CBA with salaries. The owners don't like how Joe Lacob is willing to way overspend, pay whatever the penalties are, and get the team that he wants to get. They don't want to do that. They don't want a guy who will do that because then the guy is going to beat them. So the CBA was a way to to adjust that. And now this is an opportunity for the NBA to say, look, let's just shut this thing down. Let's, you know, we're going to spend Draymond. There's no way they're going to beat the Kings without him. They're going to lose this series. Then the whole thing this year has been, I'm sorry, I'm just talking. It's like this is supposed to be a conversation, but I'm just talking. <laughs> so I promise I'll stop soon. <laughs> um, they, the whole idea going into this playoff was how far the Warriors went this year would determine their near-term course, how much they will try to keep this group together. How, you know, what, what does it look like? What does the future look like? If they go out in the first round, especially because of something like this, they haven't really learned anything, but they certainly haven't seen enough to say, okay, let's keep spending money. Let's bring Draymond back, you know, next year, which he's got an option for next year. Let's, you know, let's go out and maybe try to, to get somebody else. Let's keep paying all these other people. I, I just, they're not going to have that information. And so it's, it's a real wild card as to what happens to the Warriors if they lose this first round series, which the chances went from, you know, I would say probably 50. I mean, once you're down 0-2, you're, the best chance you have probably the 50-50, you got to win four out of five. But now their chances are probably, what, 20, 25 of winning this series? So it's a big blow. And I don't think it's fair, although, you know, I'm a warrior guy, okay, but I also can look at things objectively. And I feel like if, if he had really stomped on Sabonis, Sabonis would be hurt. Not questionable for Game 3. He would have been hurt. I don't think there's any, any evidence that Draymond used his full force there, that he really was looking for a place to put his foot. And, and that's where it came down. And it wasn't that act. It was him running around the arena and goading the fans and all that, which was stupid. And the Warriors are tired of that. Believe me, they are really supremely tired of that. But it is what it is. You said a lot there here. And so I guess the one question that I have for you, you kind of touched on it there at the end, is that knowing this Warriors team, the kind of lack of depth that they have, how important Draymond is, he's done this before where he's gotten fouls, gotten ejected, had a suspension, they lose the finals because of it. At some point, is it is the onus on him, though, to kind of say, okay, I need to tailor the line to be that antagonist and not be a detriment to my team? 
Okay, Kayla, thank you. That leads me right into what I was saying to you uh, before we started this interview, that I, I've got a take on the Warriors here that no one else will ever have. And and it will, um, I'm not sure it's good, but it, it's different. So I've been learning a lot um, through a yoga instructor that I'm working with about ego and about consciousness. And we all think of the word ego as, oh, he's got a big ego. He thinks a lot of himself, that that's what ego means. But it's not what ego means. Ego is a, a, a being that lives in all of our heads and talks to us. The voice in your head is your ego. And it often tells you things that get you in trouble. It tells you, hey, that person disrespected you. Hey, that person cut you off in traffic. Honk the horn. It, it points you toward activities like that that are not necessarily in your best interest. The reason the Warriors have won four championships is because the four key people in that organization all are supremely good at managing their egos. I'm talking about Joe Lacob, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry. They all could be excused if they had outsized egos. Lacob has a lot more money than a lot of people. Steve Kerr won five championships as a player. Now he's won four as a coach. But Bob Myers put this thing together and has kept it you know, running. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Any of those people, if they decided they were going to you know, put themselves first, would be excused for doing it. And they have not done it. They, those four people have continued to work as a team, stay in their lane, support each other. And the players have responded. Because if your best player is a team-first guy, well, who has room to, to not be a team-first guy, right, in that environment? So, Draymond Green, though, 80% of the time, he's that guy. But when he gets triggered, Saginaw comes out, and he's the disrespected, underthought-of, you know, guy that you know was at Michigan State and nobody thought he was going to be any good and all that stuff comes out when he gets triggered. He has not learned exactly what you just said is to say in that key moment, not all the time, but in that key moment, okay, I need to think of the team here. I need to stay in this game and I need to do what I need to do. I need to subvert my ego because his ego in his head is telling him all the things to not do. He's telling them, you know, get even, go around, show everybody how great you are, tell everybody they're stupid. That's what his ego is telling him, and he listens in those moments. So that's how he got where he is. That's what happened in 2016. When LeBron James, I'm going to remind everyone what happened there. LeBron James realized his team was dead in the water. They were losing game four. They were going to be down 3-1, going back to Oakland. And they had no answers for what the Warriors were doing. So, and he knew Draymond Green had 15 technical fouls. So he pushed Draymond down. He put his foot behind Draymond. You can go back and look at the video. He put his foot behind Draymond's feet and pushed him down. And Draymond fell down. And then he stepped over him. And that's where Draymond's ego said, hey, nobody does that to me. And he punches. And we all know what he punched. Now, there was a referee, I think it was Bill Kennedy, saw the whole thing. Didn't call a foul on LeBron for knocking the dream on down. 
didn't call anything on LeBron for stepping over Draymond and keeping him from getting up, didn't call Draymond for the punch. No whistle. It's the next day that Kiki Vandeweghe assessed a technical, not a suspension, but a technical, but that put Draymond over the 16, and he was suspended. And I remember a game earlier in those playoffs against Houston, about three seconds left to go in the game, and Draymond just messed with somebody on Houston, completely inappropriately, away from the ball, three seconds left, just kind of did something. I don't remember what it was, and he got a technical. And that's what put him in that position where he only had he had that margin where if he got another one, he was going to be suspended. But he could not let LeBron James step over him. I mean, they were going to win, as you said. They were going to win that championship. And his ego did not let him sit back, just say, look, we got this. I'm going to take this from LeBron. doesn't matter. We're going to go win game five. We're going to win another championship. Who knows how many will win. That was the year they won 73 games. Nobody remembers that because they didn't win the championship. I mean, he cost his team a lot. Harrison Barnes has every right to be really angry about that <laughs> because Harrison had the terrible three games after that. He wound up being replaced on the team by Kevin Durant. You know, he, he, was a, he was a free agent at the end of that year, and the Warriors didn't try to re-sign him. And then he had to watch the Warriors go on and be dominant for three years while he was working in Dallas where they won, I think, 16 games his first year there. I mean, that was all because of Draymond Green. So, yeah, Draymond is an enigma. The Warriors have been dealing with it for a really long time, but they know they wouldn't win four championships without him. So they kind of take the bad with the good, and the bad is they got to play this game tonight without Draymond Green. He's John Cannon, former Valley talk show host right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. I want to bring this to the current team and the matchups here. You have a lot going on. Uh, Is this just the perfect storm of a matchup for this Warriors team, though? Because you're facing a Kings team that can can run with you. You're maybe even, in fact, outrun you. You have a team that's, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine years younger doing very similar things that you can do. De'Aaron Fox has elevated his game to the next next level clutch player of the year and then you have Mike Brown who spent a lot of time understanding the mind of Steve Kerr on his staff so he can counter his moves and has youth and speed on his side yes 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 and yes absolutely um the word I used watching the Kings in game two was bouncy they're bouncy the Warriors aren't bouncy (laughs) you know and you said you talked about youth yes there's something about youth. There is a, a martial arts instructor here in the Valley named Mac Newton, who I used to have on my show regularly. And, and Mac, who in his you know, 60s um, could still kick over his head, break a board, you know, do whatever. But he said, John, he says, it didn't matter how, how much I trained, how much I worked. You cannot substitute for youth. Youth is a thing that, that you just cannot you can't deal with that. The older players can still be great. LeBron James is a great example of that, and even you know Steph and Draymond and Clay that are into their 30s now and playing well, but they're not great all the time like they were when they were younger and they were 25. And and part of that is the quickness, the speed. Sacramento runs down the floor every possession. 
they run down the floor. The Warriors used to do that. They don't do it anymore. And I think that is that is a big problem. And I do think the Mike Brown thing is a big – you talk about a, a zero-sum game, and, and basketball is a zero-sum game. And the Warriors lost the guy, and the Kings got the guy. And that is a huge difference in this series. Mike Brown is great. The Warriors will tell you that he's great. If he beats the Warriors, they will be happy for him. That's how much they love him. But the fact that he, not only with Kerr, but he knows, I'm sure, he's talked to them about how to, how to deal with Draymond. And, and you can't tell me that a little bit of, of the way that Sabonis has antagonized Draymond in both games, including grabbing his leg when he was on the floor, isn't from the knowledge that might, you know, Mike Brown might have said, hey, there's a guy you can get under his skin. You know, and, and, and he will lose his mind, and he will hurt his team. Um, nobody knows that like Mike Brown, except for people in the Warriors right now. Last question for you here, John. Appreciate your time. And just kind of a broad perspective of the Warriors, because you started the conversation that this kind of alluding to that it could be the end of the Warriors here. I actually heard this, that someone said the Warriors were not a dynasty. So do you consider the Warriors a dynasty? Champions in 2015, 2017, 2018, and 2022. And ultimately, what is their legacy on the NBA? God, yes, they're a dynasty. In six out of eight years, they were in the finals. The two years they lost, one was because of the Draymond Green suspension, and let's not forget, Andrew Bogut got hurt in Game 5, the game that Green was out of. The other part of the backline warrior defense, Andrew Bogut, he got hurt in that game, didn't play Game 6 or 7, and they wound up losing on that great shot by Kyrie on Game 6, and, and let's not forget the chase down block by LeBron James. Okay, So they are right there that year, but they lost. They lost to Toronto when Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt in the same game. And they came back, they played a great game six, but they lost. And so they lost that game in six to Kawhi Leonard and Toronto. Um, and so six out of eight years, they are at the finals and could have won it. The other two years, one year, Steph Curry got hurt in like game six. And the next year, Clay was out. And they had lost to Rant, and their roster was a mess. And still, they got into the play-in in the eighth spot. In the old-fashioned playoffs, they would have been in the playoffs. So, yeah, eight years of that, that's a dynasty. And to be, you know, if it, go, if it winds up going out in the first round this year, it doesn't mean that they're done, but it means it's going to be really hard for them to rebuild it and get it, get it back going again. But I think they will be remembered as one of the best teams in NBA history. They should be. John, really appreciate you taking some time on the program and look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you, Kayla. Give my best to Bob, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds like a plan. I appreciate it. Once again, he is John Cannon there, former Valley Talk Show host. Uh, the Warriors, they're taking on the Kings tonight, 7 p.m. Down 0-2, not having Draymond. You know, the Warriors team, when it all does come to an end, because there's been lots of talks before the season even gets started, midway through the season here about the future of Warriors general manager Bob Myers. Then you have, as John was talking about with the CBA rules, so how's the roster going to get constructed? Draymond punching Jordan Poole to start the season, whether or not they want to move on from him. 
So if this is the end of the Warriors, the three-point game, the style of play in which they saw massive success, it's going to be interesting to see where that all fits into the legacy of the NBA and how you consider teams to be great. It's poll question time on the other side of the break. It's the extra point. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Thanks to John Cannon, former Arizona sports talk host. Talking all things Golden State Warriors. They take on the Kings tonight, trying to avoid going down 0-3. Maybe being at home helps them, as opposed to their bad road record this season. No Draymond Green. If you missed any of that conversation, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. It's time, though, for poll questions. Let's toss it on over to the KDOS 1060 hotline or the KDOS1060.com poll question. What happens Thursday night in Los Angeles with the Suns and the Clippers? Suns minus two and a half. Clippers plus two and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Well, there's no doubt adjustments are going to be made. You bet that the Clippers will be ready with something else and another new wrinkle. Uh, Do I expect Booker to drop 38 again? No, I don't. But I do expect 27 to 30. I think that's a good number. I think that's very doable. I think it's necessary. I also expect KD to get going. To can, like we saw spurts in game two where he was able to get to his spots. They were able to get him in some of those mid-range jumpers. We talked about it yesterday, just how uh, good they were at the mid-range game, shooting over a 60% clip from there. He also was being double teamed, so he was able to get the ball out as well to Devin Booker, and he was able to knock down his shots. So one of those two guys is going to be pivotal. But if, if you know, Devin Booker can be in the 27 to 30 range, KD can also provide similar numbers, that's something you're going to need. He's going to need to be aggressive early. I also think that there's opportunities here. The way that the Clippers have been guarding him as well at times, they're using a smaller guard on him. So use his height to your advantage. He can just rise up over somebody, and he has such a pure stroke, such a pure shot. KD is going to get going. The Also, the other question for me on the defensive side of the ball is, will the Suns be able to force the ball into someone else's hand other than Kawhi Leonard and make them beat the Suns? We've seen how good Kawhi has been games one and game two to make him keep working so hard on both ends of the floor, get him fatigued. Can the Suns figure out a way to do that? They also have to get off to a good start. Climbing, clawing their way back from behind, at some point that's going to catch up to them. So they have to get off to a much better start. I think you probably do that by being aggressive with Kevin Durant as well. And then I've been saying it, you know, Chris Paul has to stay ready and be available to knock down some threes when the ball gets swung his way. Torrey Craig has done a great job of that through the first two games. Hopefully that carries over now into the the road atmosphere in L.A. 
it's obviously a tough series. This is this has been a grind in a way. Thank goodness Paul George isn't available. But I do think that the Suns, there's a lot riding on this to be able to say you're up 2-1 versus down 1-2, needing game four in L.A. I think they get it done tonight. My vote, Suns minus two and a half. The masses are also on that side of things at 71% of the vote. Clippers sitting at 29%. KDOS1060.com. Now let's flip this on over to Twitter. In full disclosure, the question was created before the news from Nick Pecoro of the Arizona Republic about the Diamondbacks designating Madison Bumgarner for assignment. If all of that takes place, he clears waivers. The Diamondbacks are on the hook for over $34 million to Madison Bumgarner, at which point then he can sign wherever he would like for a minimum of $720,000. So here's the question on Twitter. Is it time to remove Madison Bumgarner from the starting rotation? And this was after uh, he has yet to... To be a winning pitcher so far this season, only made it through three innings. Balls were being hit, just rockets, yesterday by the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, So I actually here am surprised that he was designated for assignment. Because my question was, should he be removed from the starting rotation, put him in the bullpen? I didn't think eating the $34 million was an option. So I was a little surprised to see that this morning. Here's his numbers so far through four games. He's 0-3, 16 and two-thirds innings pitched, 25 hits, 20 runs, four home runs, 15 walks, and 10 strikeouts. After the game, Torrey Lavelle was asked about Bumgarner. He said, quote, I don't know. I don't know. As we do with every situation, after every start, we group up as a staff and then sit down with the front office and figure out what to do next. Well, what to do next? Designate him for assignment. The one question I had about the starting rotation, we knew that this pitching staff was not with a lot of depth. Whether it be the start, like you have Zach Gallen, you have Merrill Kelly. You wanted to see the growth of Ryan Nelson. Now it looks like, according to Nick Pecoro, Tommy Henry will be getting the, the next start that would have been Madison Bumgarner's in the rotation. So it's going to be reliant upon these young pitchers. But starters, closers, we had question marks about the depth of this team and how far they'd be able to go based upon the pitching. But I will say this here. They do have a lot of youth. They've been playing really hard. Obviously, the explosion of Corbin Carroll signing his massive contract before the season got started, how he started the season... Alec Thomas rocketing one yesterday. There's a lot of of good here. So the fact that the organization said to themselves, we can't keep running this guy out every fifth day knowing that it's going to be a loss, I think shows that they're trying to turn the page to this is a new team. We're going to get our guys and our young players' experience We're going to figure out who we have, who we can build around, and keep winning games. They are sitting atop the NL West as it is right now. But I think this is good for the clubhouse to know that they're willing to make this type of change 
every fifth day, somebody else is going to be now getting the ball instead of Madison Bumgarner. It's quite a shame because what he did in San Francisco was tremendous. He, like, single-handedly was able to get them a World Series with his pitching. Coming out of the pen to close Game 7. And also, I just, I feel for him. Because he's a competitive guy. Any competitive person is scratching and clawing and trying to figure out how to how to get better. You don't rest on your laurels. You, you keep working at it. But yet, you understand that whatever you're doing, it's just not working. Like, your skills have eroded. You're not the same player that you were. It's frustrating. You go out there every fifth day. You have to answer the questions about why it's not getting better. People are... are saying you shouldn't be out there anymore. The whole thing, like I said, I feel for him because there's no way that this was a fun experience for him. The caveat, he's making a lot of money. He'll be paid $34 million. The contract didn't go as planned for the Diamondbacks. And once again, I will give Bob Kemp his kudos because the second that this trade was announced or this this free agency acquisition was announced, he said, oh, this is terrible. This is not going to work. So kudos to him for being right spot on for that. Speaking of Bob, he's feeling a little bit under the weather today. Hopefully we'll get him back tomorrow. But on the other side of the break, we will wrap up this Thursday, April 20th edition of Extra Point. As you're listening to it right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big name guests, timely sports information, and more on KDOS AM 1060. edition of Extra Point on this Thursday, April 20th. Bob Kemp feeling under the weather today. Kayla Mortolaro with you here. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. For the month of April, Superbook Sports putting up a $100 gift certificate. Download the KDOS 1060 app, sign up, register, and follow along with the directions to get yourself eligible for the $100 gift certificate opportunity. It's that time of the program. It's the thank you time. We thank Cody Benjamin of CBSSports.com for joining us to chat all things NFL, the NFL draft. We find ourselves just one week away from round number one. What will the Cardinals do with that third overall pick? DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker, uh, plenty of things happening locally and around the NFL. If you missed that conversation, podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Also, thanks to John Cannon, former Valley talk show host, a unique perspective on Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors looking to avoid going down 3-0 
against the Kings tonight, 7 p.m. is that contest. Podcast, KDOS1060.com for John Cannon's interview. It was not a good midweek outing for the Sun Devils as they faced the Wildcats yesterday. They lost 20 to nothing. They will quickly turn their attention to hosting Oregon State. Friday, everything gets started. Pre-game 6.15, first pitch at 6.30. You can hear Tim Healy on the call right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app. Because of yesterday's contest, dugout chatter airing tonight, Tim Healy, Willie Bloomquist with you, 7 p.m. on KDOS AM 1060. What's happening for tonight as well, you have the Suns at the Clippers, 7.30 p.m., Valley Sports Arizona, NBA TV, the Diamondbacks and the Padres in a series, 6.40 p.m., Valley Sports Arizona, Extra, Ryan Nelson for the Diamondbacks, Michael Waka for the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. expected to be back after serving his 80-game suspension for PEDs. Keith Mitchell, Sanjay M, they partnered up 10 under par. Matt Fitzpatrick, his brother Alex Fitzpatrick, 10 under par. David Lipsky, Aaron Rye partnering up 10 under par at the Zurich Classic. When it comes to Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, they're even through four holes in a tie for 60. Our guys, Denny McCarthy, Joel Damon, got to get it going. They're also even through three holes. Our other guys, Nikolai Hogard, getting set to tee off. Late round for them. So we'll monitor their uh, opportunities at the Zurich Classic on the PGA Tour. As always, thank you for listening to the program right here on KDUS AM 1060. Have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. We'll do it again tomorrow.